I'm Leslie. And I'm Tamara. And welcome to the crimes we're into. shout outs i think we do and what's crazy y'all is our first episode has even launched and we have a good bit of shout outs so Which i'm like exciting yay so make sure to either tell us that you subscribe so you can get a shout out or review or like our facebook page and we'll just give you a shout out during our next week's episode so the first shout out goes to Lacey. second one goes to emmy grace Third one is Amy. And our fourth go to Mike and Zoe from the podcast Stories of Strangeness. And then the last but not least is a YouTube you should go check out and subscribe, which is Wayna Way. So make sure you check out the last two and thank you from all five. So, Tamara, how shocked was you whenever I like printed this little list of where all of our listeners are from. That's pretty crazy. I mean, like we had from our hometown, which I'm not surprised because it's probably me and Tamara just like listening to ourselves, (laughs) making sure we don't sound stupid. But we have from California, England, Michigan, Missouri, another spot in South Carolina and Washington before our first episode release. Yeah, yes. Woo! High five. (laughs) So, Tamara, are you ready for today's story? Okay. We're going to do our first story. You're in South Carolina. It's a case I've never heard before on a podcast. Okay. So, I'm going to tell you about the double murder of Stephen and Carrie Turner. Double? Double. So, Carrie and Stephen lived in Durham, North Carolina, and they had two kids. They had a daughter and a son. And then Carrie took care of her mentally disabled brother. And I read that he, like, had the mindset of a five-year-old. So I don't know exactly, like, what was wrong with him. But he he couldn't live on his own. Like, he lived with her parents. And then once her parents passed away, she started taking care of them. Well, the two were ready to retire. Stephen was 61, and he worked at the Durham's Regional Medical Center. And then Carrie was 52, and she was a owner of a convenience store called the Maya Marina Mart. And then they sold that the summer of 2014. Oh, so not long ago. Not long ago. One of her employees at the Maya Marina Mart, and he said during the four years that they owned the place, they treated him well. He thought of the world of the Turners, and he said when Carrie was telling him that he was selling, he took him and his wife out to dinner. And gave them a thousand dollars as like a thank you for everything. And I was like, that's a pretty awesome boss that like, hey, I'm like selling the place off. I just wanted to take you out. Here's you a thank you for being the great employee you are. You know, like I thought that was super well, sweet. They value their employees. It, they it do. says a lot. The Turners was enjoying their first few weeks of retirement. And on September 4th, around midnight, while they were on vacation on a cruise, their house burnt down. What? Yeah. How would you like to get a call while you're on vacation that your house burnt down? Mm, It just happened to one of the bridesmaids yesterday. 
the whole time, like, whenever I was, like, writing this up the other day, I was like, I could only imagine how they feel. Because, you know, like, Anthony spilled and burned down. Like, you feel, like, just helpless, helpless. violated. And just, like, with Anthony, like, as soon as it burnt down, he was just like, yeah, we're moving. I'm done. Like, let's just not even reveal. Let's, let's just move away. And that's basically how the Turners felt. Like, when their house burnt down, they stayed in a vacation house because, like, their house was, like, gone. Yeah. And they stayed at the Mayo Lake in North Carolina. Have you ever heard of it? No. So, they stayed in a vacation home there. And then they would make multiple trips to Myrtle Beach to... Find their forever home. On March 4th, 2015, the Turners received a phone call from a Bells bondsman letting them know that their son got a little trouble while he was in Myrtle Beach. So, or, or do you want son to live there? Or was he vacationing with the parents? He, no, like the parents was in North Carolina. And I assume... Like, he went down there because he didn't live down there for, like, a long time. But he was staying down there when this happened. I think he was maybe down there two, three weeks. Okay. So, they were like, okay, we'll be down there in a second. So, the Turners and Thomas, they hopped in their car. They drove down to Myrtle Beach. And they are like, we're going to bring our son home. So, it was about a three, four-hour drive that they had to take. And let me just tell you what their son did to get arrested. So, a Surfside police officer saw a Toyota Corolla sitting next to a gas station with a male and female sitting inside who appeared to be lost. Um, so, the officer, like, went up to the car, I guess, to just be like, hey, y'all need help, you know. And he smelled a strong odor of marijuana. So, you know, like, the cops got him and be like, okay. This went from a, hey, do you need help to, hey, I need you to get out the car. So, the cop tells the driver, who was Chelsea, the female, to get out of the car. And then he asked Alex, who was the passenger, to also get out. While they were getting out, the officer saw a AR-15 laying in the back. And then he saw a 9mm handgun sitting in plain sight near the radio. So, I guess, like, in the middle console. Yeah. And the officer found drugs in the vehicle. And then the girl driver, Chelsea, her license was suspended in Virginia. Alex Turner was booked in Surfside Beach at 9.44 a.m. on Wednesday and then released at 5.10 p.m. on the same day. So the Turners, they checked into their hotel room. It was room 1208 at the Landmark Resort in Myrtle Beach. Which you've definitely been there. Around that time a couple... Eight months before. Oh, I didn't know specifically how many months, but... And it took me four months of researching this case (laughs) to be like, oh, snap, I stayed here. At least it's before, not after. Or during. Definitely not during. Because... This place was nice. I mean, I basically chose it because of the pool where they <laughs> fried Oreos. And I'm like, heck yeah, let me let me around in the, the beach the and lazy not look We just wanted to lay in the lazy river and eat fried Oreos. I mean, like, that's vacation life right there. Stephen and Carrie met their son for dinner at IHOP on Wednesday whenever they got to Myrtle Beach. 
and Alex introduced them to Chelsea, the girl that he was arrested with, and was like, hey, this is my girlfriend. We just met a few weeks ago. And they just had a nice dinner. His parents were like, hey, you know, like, you need to come back home. You got in trouble. You know, like, just come with us. We'll help you out. I guess the whole, like, you're not in trouble, but you're in trouble. Your life's you're not, not going. You're not in trouble, but if you want us to help you out, then you need to do exactly what we say. Yeah, the whole, like, parroting speech that you would get if you was arrested. So, that night, Alex goes home with Chelsea, and then the next morning, he wakes up early, spends the day with his parents. They go house hunting, looking for houses in the Myrtle Beach area for his parents to buy. And then later that night, they go back to the hotel, spending time together, you know, like, nothing much, just watching TV. This is where it gets a little dark. On March 6, 2015, a little after 1 p.m., housekeeper enters the room and she's like okay these people haven't checked out their items are still in here there's luggage there's all kinds of stuff still in here so she's like well let me just clean around it because apparently that's what they do like I didn't think that maids would be able to clean around your stuff if you haven't checked out if you just post already check out but I guess well I mean I guess they clean it when you're still staying because you leave and you come back and your bed's made Maybe they thought maybe they were checking another day, but maybe they didn't fully clean it, per se. Maybe. So, she goes to the bed, and she's, like, pulling off the comforters, about to change the sheets, and she knows the sheets are missing, and there's blood on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, the housekeeper runs down to management, calls 911, and this is about 2.30 that they call and they're like, hey, we have suspicious activity in this room. We need officers to come out. The two officers arrive on the scene. They didn't see much of anything. Like, no forced entry, no sign of robbery. And they're like, hmm, okay. So, on the oxygen show that I watched, a Myrtle Beach lieutenant said, it's quite possible a guest got injured and was seeking medical attention and just hasn't returned to the room. So Maybe it was a shark attack. And you just go lay in the bed and there's two puddles of blood? And I will post the pictures if you want to see on Facebook. It's going to be like the last picture of the thing. So if you want to look, but or if you don't want to look, don't <laughs> scroll to the last one. But, I mean, Tamara, look at this picture. There's, there's no... Yeah, I mean, they definitely should have thought something was There's suspicious. No. So, officers asked the hotel to seal off the room, and then once the guests return, they can question them if they needed to. So, a few hours went by, and at 5.22, officers were called again, because no one had checked out, done nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, no guest return. And I was just like... So, it went from the hotel calling at 2.30... Saying, hey, something's going on. They call again like at 5.22. It was like, hey, nobody has returned still. Like, I need somebody to come out here and, like, figure out what the heck's going on. Like, this is not a normal day. Well, the Pearl Beach officers return. And they're, like, walking through the room for the second time. And then that's when they notice a small bullet hole in mattress fibers sticking out. And they find a twenty-two casing laying on the ground. And the, 
The cops is like, oh, snap. We gotta, we gotta murder. Well, how do you not see that before? I don't know if they just, like, was it paying attention? Or if they wasn't looking hard? Or if it's just kind of like a, yeah, there's nobody in the room. There's nothing but blood. Like, I, I don't know. Because I feel like with how the blood was on the mattress, I would look a little bit more into it. You would think. So while detectives were, you know, investigating the room, they noticed that Carrie's credit card was missing and Stephen Silver Kia was missing from the hotel. So they were removing the mattress and when they took the mattress up, you know, the little platforms that they sit on because there's no box springs. Yeah. Well, that's where they found their bodies. Yep, definitely not worried. (laughs) So, both of the bodies of the Turners was laying underneath the mattress. I guess I need to get Keenan to check it any time I ever go to a hotel. But check under that. If it's clear, I'll come in. If not, I'm not stepping foot in. So, cops were like, all right, let's start talking to some hotel guests, see if they seen anything, if they heard anything. And they were talking to the housekeeper, and she was like, I remember I was trying to clean the room around 10 o'clock, and when I knocked, somebody said, we're not ready. It could have been the Turners, and the cops were like, okay. So they talked with the coroner, figured out the time of death. Guess what the coroner's name was? Just take a wild guess. Coroner Turner. No, her name was Tamara, and it's spelled just like yours. What? It was yeah. me. Was she good? She was good. We all say she was good. That was me. But she told officers from the time of the death that she's, you know, getting. It was more than likely not the Turners that said, we're not ready. It was more than likely the killers. And then so cops are like, all right. Well, the person said we. So does that mean it was more than one person? I would assume so. So, the front clerk was like, hey, we had um, somebody come in trying to extend the stay. You know, like, we didn't think it was a big deal, but we just told them no because they wasn't registered to the room because they wasn't one of the Turners or they wasn't Thomas. But, you know, we just said, hey, if you send one of those people down, we'll extend the room, no problem. And they were like, no. And then they drove off in a silver Kia. So cops were like, hey, let me see a footage of the person that wanted to stay in the room. And it was a younger male and female. Nothing. So are we. So are we. So now we have a possible we. But they were like, okay, well, they don't look suspicious. They're not covered in blood or anything. You know, they just casually walked in, walked out. Wait a minute. Back up. You said there was a bullet on the ground. Mm -hmm. Did nobody hear gunshots? As far as I know, no. And this was on the 12th floor. Maybe not that many people were at the beach during March because it's still kind of cold. Cold-ish. I mean, it's like could be 70, could be 60. I would hope if I got shot, somebody heard the bullet to come save me. So, at this time, they're still kind of, like, learning different stuff about the Turners. They were, you know, trying to find out stuff about their personal lives. They were finding out about, like, the credit card that got stolen, like, tracking it. And during all this time, they found out that Carrie's credit card was used at a Walmart 
to buy a large screen TV. Oh. Okay. So, video at Walmart shows the same young couple that was at the hotel and Thomas now. And so, cops were like, okay. I'm like, here's Thomas. None of them seem to be, like, stressed out or forced to be there. You know, like, this just looks like your normal, everyday Walmart trip with a stolen dead person's credit card. So, at this time, you know, officers were, like, finding out more. They found out about Thomas, so they know Thomas is, like, mentally disabled. They know about the house fire. And they're like, okay, could Thomas have something to do with this? Because we know now that Thomas isn't dead. Was Thomas kidnapped? What is going on? Who are these people that have him? Yeah, like, who who are these people? How are they all tied together? Like, I need answers to these questions. So, cops are like, all right, let's reach out to North Carolina Police Department and figure out the whole house fire, like, was it arson? Was it, you know, like an accident? Like, trying to just figure out information. Well, during this time, they figured out it was arson. But they couldn't accuse anybody. I don't think there was, like, enough evidence to be like, you did it. You set it on fire by blah, 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 blah. And so the cops were like, okay, well, I know you don't have a suspect that was arrested, but who did y'all suspect? And the cops were like, Alex, their son. Oh. And little fun fact, Alex was once a volunteer firefighter. So he would know. No, he would know what to do. To uh-huh. So it's like, I was like, oh, smart. I'm like. Like, you know how to, like, cover your trace. You know what they're going to be looking for to figure out. So, it's like they knew it was set on fire. They just didn't have enough evidence to accuse him and press charges. But how do you find that out? I don't know how they're able to, like... Because, like, with the building, if we wouldn't have said, hey, it was the vehicle... That first started the fire. Like how they would have known. It was a vehicle. That was the vehicle that started. Because there was nothing left of that building. That's what I'm saying. Like how did they know it was a wire? Because it's burnt. How does it know if you throw a bunch in there? Because it's going to be burnt. I don't know. Because I mean everything I felt like was the same charred level in that building. All right, let me say, let me tell you a little bit about Alex. So, at this time, Alex was 23 years old. He had a rocky relationship with his parents because he depended on them strongly for money for his drug problems. Wow. Ever since high school, his drug problem was just escalating, and he was, like, eventually, like, stealing... He ended up on probation, which he broke when he came to South Carolina. Two weeks before the murder, he left a half a halfway house in North Carolina and moved in with Chelsea. Two days prior to this murder was when he was arrested with her for the drugs and the weapons. So now let me tell you a little bit about Chelsea, since she's been seen with him a lot. Chelsea was 19 at the time. 
She grew up in Salem, Virginia. She was a huge soccer fan. And she moved to South Carolina to play on the soccer team. First, she went to Anderson College or Anderson University, which is like super close. And then she transferred to Coastal Carolina because they were a D1 team. But their roster was full, so she couldn't get a scholarship to go there on the soccer team like she originally planned. So she had to find a job. And the highest paying job that she could find was waitressing at a strip club. And she's like, I did not strip. I was a waitress. So at the strip club, that's where she met Alex. And he just kept coming in and coming in and coming in and talking to her. And eventually they started dating. But he told Chelsea that he was in Myrtle Beach for business. That he worked for the Department of Defense. And that... He was here to complete a mission, and once his mission was completed, he was going to be discharged. And he said, oh, since I've told you that I'm in the DOD, your life is now in danger. My family's life is also in danger. So just, just, just for a warning. I feel like they don't <laughs> tell me. So... At this point, you know, like, cops were like, okay, we want to question these people. They go to Chelsea's apartment where they know they're supposed to be living. No sign of them. No sign of the Kia. Later that day, campus police spot the silver Kia. They notified law enforcement about the whereabouts, and cops were like, okay, send in the SWAT. So, cops began to stake out this I think you pronounce it Monarch Apartments, where some of their friends lived. And Chelsea and Alex were spotted walking into the apartment building, and then Thomas was sitting on the balcony. On March 9th, SWAT swarmed the apartment and arrested Chelsea, Alex, and two of their friends. During this arrest, Chelsea was very angry and aggressive. So cops were like, okay, she must be the ringleader. Everybody else is kind of, like, being quiet, like, not as dramatic as she was. So, let me tell you Chelsea's side of the story and Alex's side of the story. So, Alex said on March 4th, his parents came down. They ate at IHOP, like I said. Had dinner. He went home with Chelsea and then spent the next day with his parents. He said, you know, like, we stayed in the hotel room that night. We watched TV, we went to sleep, and he said, I always sleep with a gun underneath my pillow, because, you know, like, that's what everybody does. They just sleep with a gun underneath their pillow. Yeah. And he said, one hour after I fell asleep, I woke up to my uncle shooting my parents. He said, my uncle's been going downhill for a while now. I freaked out, and we just went to Chelsea's house around 3 or 4 a.m., and I was just asking her for help. She, he said the two of us went back, and that's when we came up with the idea to hide the bodies underneath the bed. So Not me, call the police, just hide the bodies. Yeah, let's just hide the bodies. So let me tell you Chelsea's side of the story. Wait, did they not answer why they got the TVs? I don't think... That was never even mentioned in the documentary, and I couldn't find... Because the documentary on Oxygen was where I failed... That they purchased the TV. I'd be asking questions and I'm, what exactly made you need a TV with your mom's credit card? Was it for you or was it for your friends that you were staying with? Was but, that rent? But, 
So Chelsea's side of the story was, I met him through my job. I worked as a waitress. He came in. You know, he was telling me about his job. He told me how he hated it. And, you know, we just became really close. And then he eventually moved in with me. She said, we ate with Alex's family on the 4th. I never thought I would see him again when he left the next morning because I figured he was going back with his parents. And then she said, during the middle of the night, he came in and said, my boss is angry with me. He found out that I didn't want to kill people anymore. Alex said when he returned from walking on the beach with his uncle, he got there and saw his boss standing over his parents' dead bodies. He's like, my boss is framing me for their murders. He said, there's nothing I could do. My boss jumped out of the balcony and ran away in order for him to not to be on camera. Uh, Twelve stories? <laughs> I was about to say, do you remember what balcony he would have had a jump off? Yeah. That makes my eye twitch because I'm pretty sure there's cameras out back too. <laughs> so, she's... Wait, wait a minute. Hold on a second. So, do they have the video footage of the boss walking in or did he climb up I, I, the 12 stories? I assume too? he climbed up to the 12 stories. Or did he story. just Superman and go... <gasps> <laughs> I was just like, um... And I feel like that's what cops were like. They were probably like... I've been asking more questions. Um, I mean, like, well, how did he get in? What mm-hmm. kind of car did he drive? It, it mind boggles me. Like, seriously. What does he look like? What is his name? Like, I've been asking more questions. But she kept saying, you know, like, or he kept saying, we need to go back to the hotel. We need to hide the bodies. And she, I guess she wanted to call the cops originally at first. And he was like, you don't get it, Chelsea. He's trying to frame me. My boss is trying to frame me. So I think that she kind of like felt like, oh God, I can't call the cops, you know? Yeah. He's already told her that her life was in danger for knowing that he was a part of the DOD. But she said there was so much blood in the room. And this part I'm about to tell you is going to be kind of like heartbreaking. But she said his dad was curled up to his mom like he was trying to protect her. Mm. And I was like, that's so sad. Officers just wanted Chelsea to say, yes, it was Alex. But she never once said, yeah, Alex is the one that killed his parents. She just kept saying, you don't know Alex. Over and over and over. You don't know him. Like, you don't know him. He wouldn't do this. He works for the DOD. He's not this person. Like, he's being framed, just very convinced. Officers were like, you don't know Alex. It's like a slap in the face. And she said at that point when she was, like, looking through his rap sheet and seeing, like, all the things. What do you do at that point? Like, you just ruined your life. Like, believing something that. Yeah, she said that, like, it just hit her like that. It's like. Everything was a lie. I just helped him cover cover up up a murder. murder. Yeah. She's like, you know, like, I just helped him. And all his parents did was come down to try to take him back. And officers, and I thought this was crazy, but officers truly, truly believed that she believed the story, him working for the DOD, the boss trying to frame her. Like, they're like, 
she but really you, truly okay. believed it. Okay, for instance, if when you just first started dating Anthony and he wouldn't have told you that, would you have any reason not to believe him? I guess not, but if I if somebody told me, Hey, I work for the DOD and I'm on a mission to kill two people and after I kill these two people or four people or however many people is on this mission, after I kill them, I'm gonna be like discharged. I'd be like, hmm, it's nice knowing you. Bye bye. When am I gonna be in the list? Cause no. I mean, like, would you date somebody no. that said, Hey, I work for the DOD. I'm on a job mission to kill some people and hopefully I get discharged because I hate this. No. <laughs> I mean, right there should have been a red flag, but Alex, I'm gonna tell you about like each individual's like court case. So Alex had a bond of fifty thousand dollars set for his weapon charges. And I couldn't find the bond or if he even had a bond for the double murder. He wouldn't he wouldn't? Okay. Because it said that... The only way he would have had it is if he can prove there was no evidence towards him. Got you. Because I seen where it said, like, this bomb was set on Monday for the weapons, and Tuesday he would have... Circus court. Yeah. But he would have had to seen them on Tuesday. Yes. And, and I that, never seen... That would be to hear... So, the judge that did set the bond for the weapons was Judge Wilson... And she asked him, she's like, do you have any questions about this bond? And all he had to say was, I have evidence to show I'm innocent. So it's like, if you had evidence to show that you were innocent, then why when your girlfriend wanted you to call the cops? Were you like, he's trying to frame me, Chelsea. Do you not understand? Stupid. When Once they come out with a story, they're going to stick with the story. So... I mean, his, like, story just kept changing and changing. But Alex requested a public defender because he said he was unemployed. He didn't work for the DOD. And <laughs> and he pled guilty to two counts of murder on October 12th and was sentenced to 47 years in prison. Which I don't think 47 years is that long if you kill two people. I mean, he'll grant it be, like, probably in his 60s when he gets out. But... It'd be close to 70. But the fact is, there's people that get charged for 200 years. Yeah. Well, you would want them to rot for the 200 years. So, with Chelsea, Chelsea was booked at the J. Reuben Long Detention Center, I think I'm saying that right, on March 9th, and was released on April 19th on a $50,000 bond. And... Her bond order stated that she must stay with her parents who lived in Virginia. She had a curfew of 11 p.m. She had to do random drug and alcohol trainings. And she was prohibited to contacting any relatives related to the victim or any of the co-defendants. And she said that Alex keeps and kept trying to, like, contact her. And she's like, no, goodbye. Like, well, yeah. She entered a plea as a accessory after the fact, and since she was a teenager, she was arrested, but she only had to serve 18 months, and she started serving her 18 months in March of 2015, so she's out of jail now. 
And then in the documentary, Chelsea said, to this day, I still feel guilty. I hate myself every time I think about what I did. I didn't pull a trigger, but I was too scared to do the right thing. And it's like, you could tell in the documentary, like, she kind of like beat herself up but because she kept saying like you know I truly didn't believe I truly didn't believe but it's like how naive can somebody be I mean if you only see the good in people then Mm -hmm. very I just couldn't imagine like being 18 19 and like you thinking your like world's coming to an end type thing yeah but the two friends that was arrested that was like keeping them at their apartments They were arrested, and they were granted bond. It was Grant, that was 20 years old, and Roxanne was 18. They both received a 25,000 bond for accessory to murder charges. And then Roxanne received an additional $5,000 bond because she had a controlled substance on her, which was Vivamp. So that was my story of the double murder hotel that I stayed in. Crazy. Yeah. Well, I have my dummy of the day. It's very short, sweet, no names, no big details, but it's kind of crazy. Okay. So, this one is a Florida man was caught dancing on a police cruiser saying he was threatened by vampires. (laughs) Was Buffy coming to get him? I don't know, but he was dancing on the cruiser to get the vampire to go away. (laughs) Think he was twerking? Probably. He was probably bouncing the vampires off. Like, back it up, back it up, back it up. What an idiot. Follow us on our Facebook page at TCWI Podcast or hit us up on our Gmail at The Crimes Are Into. Donate to our Patreon at the crimes are into podcast also leave a review and we'll give you a shout out during next week's episode